Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Colin Mitchell. Colin is a four-time founder, and he is passionate about sales, entrepreneurship, and podcasting. So you know we're going to have a great conversation. He's the co-founder of SalesCast and host of the Sales Transformation Podcast. He lives out in Los Angeles with his beautiful wife, three kids, and a brand new puppy. Colin, what's up, bro? Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Yeah. What's up, man? I got to update my bio there. Uh, I got kid number four on the way. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, yeah. and the puppy's not brand new anymore, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Puppy's uh, almost one. So. Okay. so, so still a little bit annoying, but not quite as annoying as it was when it was a puppy. Yeah. She was good. We got lucky. She was easy to train, which is not the case with, with a lot of puppies. So we got lucky. That is very true. My dog, uh, I've, we have a German Shepherd Husky. She's the sweetest dog in the world, but she's also just a psychopath. And when she was a puppy, oh. it was crazy, dude. She would like run on walls. But anyway, dogs, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. it's like the, 
extended family, you know, so, um, congrats on the, congrats on the new, on the new addition of the family and all that good stuff. Um, uh, but I know everybody listening wants to hear a little bit more about, uh, your sales background, your business background and kind of what, how we got connected. So, uh, let's uh, take it back but a little bit of context for those listening. I always find it interesting to see where or how people got into what they're doing when it's something that's unique and not something that, you know, really go to college for, or chooses a career path when you're nine years old. So, uh, let's rewind it back to that time period for you, nine years old, 10 years old, set the scene for us. Tell us what it was like growing up being Colin. Yeah. Um, whew. it was tough, man. I had a shitty childhood for the most part. Okay. I don't know if we can curse here, but <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. All right. Yeah. I was raised by a single mom. Uh, my dad was never around. He spent most of his time in prison and I didn't know what I wanted to do as a kid. You know, frankly, I don't even have a lot of memories. You know, my mom did the best she could raising you know, four boys, you know, practically on her own, which means she had to work, right? And I had a lot of freedom, got in a lot of trouble. I always joke around like if 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 any of my kids give me half as much trouble as I gave my mom, like I am in big trouble. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so yeah, I didn't have a lot of direction. I didn't have like a lot of positive male, you know, role models. Nobody was telling me that like college was even important mm. um or education, you know, um I barely 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 by the skin of my teeth made it through high school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to grow up that way. Like I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to like not be able to have things that my friends had. Right. And you know, my first sort of job was, was, was lugging around furniture, you know, and, you know, being, you know, young, 20 years old, you know, getting, staying outside, lifting furniture, not a bad gig. Uh, got to stay in shape, but definitely, you know, wasn't putting any money in the savings. Definitely was not, you know, building a future. And so when I got my first sales job, I made the most out of it. And I was How'd the first one. And yeah, I had to beg for it, like literally beg for it. Um, my stepdad, yourself, huh? yeah, my stepdad, you know, didn't really trust me. I wasn't a very responsible, you know, young adult at that point. He wasn't really willing to put his neck out there for me. But eventually I convinced him, like, just give me a shot. Like, seriously, you know, so he he got me my shot. And so, you know, I think essentially I didn't want to let him down, right? I didn't want to, like, he'd put his neck out there for me. So yeah. I just worked my tail off. I was the first one into the office every day, last one to leave every day, came in on Saturday to do emails, proposals, get my, you know, prospect list ready for the, for the next week. And I grinded it out for a good solid you know, year and worked my way up to the top in that company. And what were you selling at the time? What was the company? Yeah, we were selling aftermarket printing supplies, like nothing sexy, but you know, we mainly all on phones. Yeah. Over the phone, over the phone. And the training was pretty much went like this. Here's a list of people to call. Uh, There's the phone. Here's your script. And don't use the CRM because it doesn't work. <laughs> like, like, Perfect. So the idea yeah, like, launch pad into a great sales career. Yeah. But, you know, fortunately, there were some people around me that, you know, had been doing this a while, had, you know, built, you know, a lot, had a lot of success in it. Yeah. And so in the beginning, it was really just like testing things. And it was just like, there was one thing, you know, that that my stepdad told me earlier on. He's like, just outwork your competition and you'll be fine. And mm. that always kind of stuck with me. And and, and it's not sustainable. <laughs> you can't just, sure. you know, work your ass off forever uh, right. because eventually you're going to hate it. But when you're young and you're like, you know, 21, 22 and 
then, you know, you can put in that work and, and it paid off. Yeah. It's, and it's a lot of times that, especially at that age, it's outworking, not for the sake of outworking, but for the sake of acquiring skills that allow you to be able to perform better. I think that's something that's left out of the equation a lot of times when really to me that that's the biggest variable that that's the most important factor because there's a lot of people that work way harder than I do, uh, that make a lot less money than I make. You know what I mean? It's not always a direct. You know, the, the hard work is a necessary part of the process, but only if you're if you're smart about the way that you're working hard, which obviously you were. What 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 happened next? Why why uh, or how did you end up doing what you're doing now? Like where did you go after you were uh, working with your stepdad? Yeah, so I worked there for a while. Worked my way up to my uh, the top there. My managers uh, I had two managers, and and you know they you know kind of were molding me for a leadership role. At least that's what they were telling me. And, you know, I kept kind of reminding them like, Hey, I want to manage a team. I want to manage a team is really what I thought I wanted to do. Um, just wanted to acquire new skills. Right. Um, and you know, after many times being promised that I never got to manage a team. So I left and took a VP of sales position somewhere else, went into that, doing the same thing, different company, learned a lot more about the industry, got a lot more business acumen, learned how to, you know, manage people. Uh, made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I had no training on managing people, you know, and and had to learn a lot of things the hard way through trial and error. See, that's um, the difference though between learning on the job versus learning in school is that one of them you get paid to learn, the other one you got to pay to learn, and you you, you <laughs> yeah. were getting paid to learn. You know what I mean? Like you you put yourself in the position to have that type of a job and to be able to learn the skills that were necessary in order for you to move into the next level of life. And you took full advantage of it. Mistakes and all, you know, it's all part of the process. Yeah. And the thing there was, you know, I don't think I could have learned it any other way. Like if yeah. somebody told me, hey, here's how you lead a team. Here's how you manage, you know, people and how dynamic yeah. and different everybody is. And people are motivated in different ways. And not everybody just cares about money and, you know, all right. these things that you learn along the way of, you know, managing a sales team. Um, even if somebody told me all those things, I, I don't think I would have grasped it. You know, the sure. only way sometimes is directly through experience as painful as it can be. Uh, when you were, when you were working there, what did you feel like was your strong suit as a, as a sales leader? What, like, were you still selling? Were you still on phones? Were you managing, recruiting, yeah. training? Where did you feel like you really excelled. Yeah. So I, I was doing all of it. Right. But I think the big thing that was, you know, one of my strengths is like leading by example. Right. If I told somebody to get on the phone and make a hundred dials a day, like I would do it too. Sure. And sit right next to them. You know, so and that's something I still, you know, after founding multiple companies and always really staying close to the front line of sales, um, I had a brief stint where I kind of got away from that. And I didn't enjoy it as much. So mm. I spent some time there, um, met my wife who we were dating at the time and she'd been in sales and she was doing recruiting and she didn't really love what she was doing anymore. I said, you know, why don't you come over here and kind of join our team and see what we're doing, see what you think. Um, and she did. And then eventually we said, I think we could, you know, maybe go do this on our own, um, which is what we did in, in 2010. We started our first company together doing pretty much the same thing uh, with some additions. And we built that to 5 million in 26 months, all fueled by sales, recruiting, training, you know, having some key, really essential hires. And it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I kind of started to, you know, maybe try to get a little bit fancy and, and, and try to take on things that were beyond my skill set, launching new services, new programs, new marketing initiatives, 
and I didn't love doing it. And, mm. and so I really, you know, had to kind of get back to like really what my passion is, is like working with people on the front lines and the sales team. So you started a business that was in the same industry that you were in before, basically doing yep. something very similar or? Yeah, similar, okay. except for we had different, we weren't just a product company. We also had additional services and then cool. we launched different things and some of them failed to be honest. And so kind of the, the, the story there is, so we built it to 5 million in 26 months. We had, you know, over you know, 25 salespeople at one time, um, trained them, recruited them. And we heavily still relied on the phones. Like that was, you know, that's how we made money. And we niched down in like K through 12 in government. Those are the type of clients that we worked with. And in that time frame of scaling really fast and heavily relying on the phone, we actually uh, changed our voice over IP provider like five times because we had all these problems of phone, you know, quality and phones going down and, you know, 25, you know, salespeople without the one tool that, you know, makes them money. They're not, you know, very happy about that yeah. when it happens on a regular basis. Yeah, your PL probably wasn't pretty happy about that either. No, no. So uh, basically, there was a tech guy in our building. He's like, man, I think I can kind of put something together for you that'll work better. And so he, you know, got a software, put it on a virtual server, connected it to these like trunk providers. And it was better than anything we had worked before. So of course, at that point, I'm like, I think we have another business here. Yeah, right, right. Moved into that business. And then what's the timeline before you start moving a lot of things online? Because obviously, you know, SalesCast, everything that you got working out right now, it's yeah. all based online. It's all done online business. And before, it sounds like you were more traditional, um, old school style of a setup. So what what was that transition like? Was there any sort of like big thing that made you realize that that this is kind of where we need to be next? Or was it experiencing something for you? Just talk to us about that transition. Yeah. So from there, I started that unified communications company, scaled it to 6,000 users, uh, got a little bit more you know, about using social and email and all these other things, not just heavily only relying on the phone. Um, during that time of scaling that company, I had an experience where I went on a podcast for the very first time. And, and what, what year was this? This was you know maybe two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Not that long ago. Yeah. Pretty recent. So my co-founder at SalesCast, Chris, he had done some marketing work for me. He worked at a marketing growth agency uh, and did some work for uh, this unified communications company that I ended up starting and scaled to 6,000 users and actually just had a um, just exited that company recently. Okay. And so he did some marketing work in the past and then I hadn't really heard from him in a while. And I seen him posting I seen him posting content on LinkedIn and but it was the content was was different. It wasn't like anything I'd really ever seen before. It's more genuine, more authentic, you know, stuff that I hadn't seen. Though. So I just reached into his DMs and I'm like, "Hey, what the heck's going on with you? Why are you posting this content?" You know, something I don't remember the exact words. Yeah. Um but he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a podcast. I'd love for you to come on. And I've never been on a podcast before. Um, and I was just kind of starting to get more serious about using LinkedIn, investing in my personal brand and stuff like that, sure. posting original content. And I had a great experience. And at the end of that, he says, I said, you know, I, I think I want to start a podcast. Can you help me? And he's like, yeah, sure. I said, but I'm super busy. You know, I got, you know, three kids. Uh, I've got, you know, multiple businesses that I'm running. I can maybe do like an episode a month <laughs> or maybe, maybe, maybe two, maybe two. Right. Which is a horrible idea by yeah. the way. Um, but he was just so easy going. He's like, man, whatever you, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Right. I was thinking of it more as a way to create content more than anything. 
And uh, then, you know, I talked to a successful podcaster that had been podcasting for probably 10 years. You know, he's got like a top HR recruiting podcast. And he's like, no, man, you, you want to pick up a lot of followers early on, record like 20 episodes and release them daily. And you'll hack the Apple algorithm and get listed in the new noteworthy section. I'm like 20. I mean, I planned on doing 20 in like six months. <laughs> yeah, that's my entire you want me to do 20? release schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is... I'm like, oh, he clearly, you know, he clearly knows what he's doing. So I've recorded 20 episodes in like two weeks. And I'm like, just really thinking, I got to get this out of the way. Right. And, uh, and we released them daily. Sadly, we never got listed on the new noteworthy section. We never picked up a ton of followers. We never hacked the Apple algorithm. You know, maybe that was a thing one day, uh, but it didn't work for me. It used to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, though. This is more like six years ago where that kind of stuff still works. Yeah. So I was clearly working on old information, but here's what it did do it created a process, it created a habit of creating podcast content in a high frequency. And then something else happened where I went on a podcast for the second time, right? So this is the second time, you know, I'm thinking I'm a bit of a big shot now because somebody else is asking me on their podcast unless, you know, and it was the worst experience ever. Like, <laughs> worst. Uh, it was like a 10 minute podcast. The the questions were kind of pre-rehearsed before yeah. we hit record. Yeah. And then immediately after, I think we finished in eight minutes, right? He tried to sell me some high ticket consulting package about a podcast. And like, I already had a podcast, right? Perfect. And yeah, it was, it was so, I mean, I felt like I had to take a shower after it was that yeah, bad. Right. Um, and you're, and, and, you're, and that's, uh, that says a lot coming from somebody who's a telemarketer. <laughs> you got to really be slimy. I'm saying that as yeah, a former door to door sales guy. So, uh, I, I, oh, hear yeah. you know. are you an old Cutco guy or what? Uh, no, I, uh, solar, uh, alarms and water purification. I did all three of those for yeah. like five, six years at a door to door. Yeah. If you survive like boiler room type telemarketing or door to door, like you, if you survive that and you stick with it, uh, you could sell anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a training ground, bro. That's all it is. It's, it's like boot camp. You know, yeah, yeah. It teaches you how to get your teeth kicked in consistently and be okay with it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That that uh, I, was, I always forget whose quote it is, but success is nothing but moving from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. I forget who says that, but like, yeah, door to door, telemarketing, network marketing, all those types of just cold, cold yeah. sales uh, jobs will will make you realize the accuracy of that statement really quickly. But anyway, sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, so then at this point I'm pretty pissed off. Right. And I tell Chris, I'm like, man, you never believe what happened. This guy asked me on his podcast and you know, he tried to sell me something after. And, and then, you know, I get all my best ideas in the shower usually. Um, so that next day or day after, I'm not really sure. I was taking a shower and I'm like, that was actually a really fucking good idea. It was just poor execution. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so something interesting started to happen, right? So I had this podcast. I'm still running this unified communications company. I'm trying to... So I start to use the podcast to build relationships with people that I want to work with and partner with and so on. And it, it wasn't quite working. But honestly, like in a highly transactional, commoditized type of service, it doesn't work well. If you do anything that has any sort of emphasis on, you know, building relationships for your business uh, to drive revenue, like the podcast platform works beautifully if it's done right in a non-sleazy way. Right. And so, but the thing that kept happening, right. So I'm doing a, I'm doing a daily podcast now. 
you know, from my comfortable one to two a month I planned on doing. And the one thing kept coming up. Everybody was like, I want to start a podcast. How do I do it? I'm thinking about starting a podcast. You know, what what do I need to know? Where do I get, you know, how do I get started? And so, you know, just kind of was, you know, sending these people over to Chris. And then eventually we're like, I think we're onto something here. And, you know, through, we've started that business about 18 months ago. A lot has happened. (laughs) We've learned a lot. Uh, a little over 18 months. We currently manage about 45 shows. Um, we've successfully helped 65 shows launch. Um, our entire podcast network is about 750,000 monthly downloads. And we just recently launched a podcast community to serve because we had uh, last year alone, Chris and I had about uh, 1,400 conversations with people at some point in their podcast journey. And uh, there's a lot of people that just, you know, don't necessarily have a monetization or a revenue strategy with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And those people just really are not a good fit for to work with some of the like us because that's what we're obsessed about. And so we really had nothing to offer those folks. And yeah. you know the numbers, right? There's like what 2.7 million podcasts now. Yeah. Less than half of them still release episodes yeah. because they don't have strategy, support, tools, resources, you name it. Um, so that's why we launched the podcast community to serve those folks help them get the things that they need, you know, um, without having to hire somebody like us. So why should someone start a podcast in your opinion? Um, it's a topic we talk about pretty frequently on the show, but whenever I'm speaking with somebody who helps people with podcasting, uh, that's similar to some of the stuff that we do. I always am curious to hear your response to that question. If somebody in the audience were asking you. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this one thing all day, but I'll keep it brief. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's just the reason that I just love it so much is because it serves so many purposes. Right. So, so okay. True. Networking, opening doors, building relationships. Everybody can use more of that, right? If yeah. you're targeting the right people. The key thing that you just said was opening doors. I'm always talking about networking and business development and building relationships and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's a lot of people out there that have really great things to say, but they're so bad at figuring out how to get their foot in the door for the first time. And it's like, if you can get your foot in the door, then you know that you can make an impression. You know that you can stand out. You know, you have a unique differentiator in your offering or your product or your service, but it's just, you just don't know how to get that initial foot in the door. Podcasting is like the secret weapon to be able to get your foot in the door with people that you just literally never thought would even give you the time of day to respond. And now all of a sudden you have them for 45 minutes for free on a podcast episode and can start yeah. working on building that relationship. But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So yeah, no, relationship I mean, you, building, I you were just about to say yeah. content. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. Right. And you obviously get it, but the thing is, is it opens the door, right? But then, then what? And so sometimes people, you know, one, they're opening the wrong doors, <laughs> right? Uh, or they open the door and then don't do anything with it. And, and it comes up often with like early podcasters like, oh, how long do I need to wait until I reach out to this, you know, person that has this sort of influence or following or, you know, these people aren't going to want to come on my podcast before it comes to thing. And it's total BS, man. People come on your podcast before your podcast is even up and live. Yeah. If you're just honest about it and say, hey, I'm starting this thing and recording my first 10 episodes. And I thought of you. And nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, creating content. I mean, like we can go on and on about how many ways you could repurpose from a podcast episode, blog, written content, video, YouTube, you know, you name it on and on and on. You know, if you do a podcast, you'll have more content than you know what to do with. And then, you know, finding your voice, having your platform, 
You know, it's a huge one. The amount of learning, every podcast host that I talk to, like one of the things they value most is what they get to learn from their guests, right? And going back to what you said, right? You get access to these people and then you can ask them any question you want. It's literally like and, a free coaching session. Yeah, but it's even publish. beyond that. Yeah. It's even beyond that because if you're talking to the people you want to partner with or you want to do business with on your podcast, all of that learning, all of that knowledge that comes from those conversations carries over to everything that you do after, not just in in the interview. Every other person like that person that you talk to, you're armed with more information and facts and things like that. So um, tons of value there. And then back to kind of finding your voice, having your platform. It's big. I mean, I can't even tell you, this is something that people don't talk about enough, right? And if you told somebody who isn't a podcaster about it, they typically don't even really believe you because they have to experience it. I can't even tell you how much, and I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are on this, but how much I've actually changed as a person, both personally and professionally through being a podcast host. Yeah. It's immeasurable for me. Basically every good thing in my life that has anything to do with business relationships, entrepreneurship has come as some sort of a direct or indirect result of having a podcast or being on other podcasts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not even the same person before I started podcasting. Yeah. Like seriously, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Uh, and then of course, you know, money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can make money through your podcast, whether it's building an audience and promoting your own stuff or building relationships with people that you end up in, you know, doing business with, getting referrals or both or business ventures or you name it, or uh, sponsors, more obvious, right? Yeah. Or my personal favorite paid guest spots. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> Shout out Guestio right there for those of you who didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Paid guest spots. I mean, I was experimenting with paid guest spots before Guestio and there were some things that didn't work, right? Where we just kind of were like really firm about, you know, hey, you know, thanks because we started getting, you know, the show got became, my show became pretty popular and yeah. we started getting all the, uh, called the horrible cold outreach, right? So bad. And we're like, and it's like, okay, occasionally, maybe one out of five, there's somebody who's like, oh, I'd actually, I'd actually like them on the show. But they clearly see value. So they should pay to come on, which, right. which is accurate. But when we were like really firm about like, oh, we charge this amount to come on, you know, people, you know, got a little turned off by it. Yeah. And then we said, hey, if you want to support the show, write us a review and then make a donation based on what you can afford, you know, and we gave them like a sliding scale. And that started to work fairly well. But the thing I love about Guestio is it just simplifies it. There's like a more of like a trust factor established because it's just like it's seamless. It's easy. There's a third party involved. You don't feel like you're going to get, you know, kind of shysted of like, sure. is this a show worth paying that much for? It's been verified. Um, there's so many things that I love about it. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented 
with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a couple of really good points there. And the the main one being I, I got so much of that pushback too when we when we started, you know, telling some of the agencies like, sure, we'll bring your your client on, but it's gonna be, you know, something small. It wasn't even a lot, like five hundred bucks or something like that. And it's just like, yeah, this is a person that's trying to sell my audience like a fifteen thousand dollar retainer ongoing. You know what I mean? Like the reason they're paying you to get them booked on shows is to sell audiences. It's not just like, of course, it's to yeah. quote unquote add value, but like they're not just doing this in their free time for charity. Like they want to make money off of this and that's totally fine. I encourage you to do that. I'm bringing on people to my show so that my audience can receive value. Even if it means they have to exchange money for that value, that's how the market works. I'm totally cool with that. But if you want the audience that I've like worked my ass off to build, then I think that you should be willing to pay a little bit of money to get in front of that audience. Just like you pay Facebook to get an ad in front of their audience, just like you pay Google to get an ad in front of their audience. Like they bring in users, then you pay for traffic that gets put in front of those users. And it's the same thing that happens with podcasting. I just think that I think that it, originally, bro, I, I think that what happened is it got lumped into the PR world because it's a similar yeah. process to getting podcasts yeah. booked as it is to getting yourself oh. in an article. But the, the media should be treated still differently, though, because like Forbes doesn't care about the article. They're going to make a bunch of money this year regardless. But this independent yeah. like podcaster who's working a nine to five sales job and in his off time or her off time is like trying to build an audience online and add value and scale. And they're editing episodes from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Like they're not going to get a paycheck regardless. And if you want to get in front of their audience that they've like poured energy into to build, then, you know, I just think that it's just common courtesy to be willing to, to pay to get in front of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I mean, well said. Don't get me started on the. PR people trying to get into the podcast space. I mean, the thing is, as long as the person's a good fit, right? And they see value, you know, some people are on the fence about charging. Like they, they, they think like, oh, is that going to, you know, diminish the quality of the guests? And no, it's like, okay, vet the people. If they would, if you would actually have them on anyway, and they're a good fit, then, then, then have them on. And people are happy to pay. Um, I'll, you'll love this one. So a lot of the outreach that we get, and I'm sure you get too, is from these you know, podcast booking agencies, PR agencies. Um, so what I do <laughs> is because I know they don't pass that information along. They just chalk it up as a no and move on. Uh, when you you know tell, hey, there's a value exchange here if you want to send your person on, um, is we, we go and we find the person they're representing's email 
and we CC them and we reply. <laughs> yeah. And a lot yeah. of times they will come on, you know? Yeah. Um, because PR, you know, the agency or whatever is charging them who knows how much to get on shows. And then, of exactly. course, they're not going to go back and say, hey, you can go on the show, but you got to also pay them. Um, right. So we just copy them on that. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, dude. That's that's good. You putting putting them putting the feet to the fire on that because that's that's so true. We would get replies back, and they'd be like, "Oh, well, we're only doing earned media appearances," and it's like, "Are you though?" Because I know you're getting paid from that. Like yeah. that that person's paying yeah. you to get that. Like, how is that earned when they're paying? Like they're paying for you to work for them, so it's not paid this time. Yeah. But like the pay to play, that's bad. Like it just is such. It's a convoluted mess of like yeah stuff that's mainstream versus stuff that's like perceived as not being mainstream. But then to me, it, it's just uh, like, that's why I just want to normalize paying creators, man. Like we were able to pay out, I think over $20,000 to creators in January, this, this, um, in 2022, um, just on, on Guestio, like getting people paid for their audiences. Like it just seems like yeah. such a no brainer to me. Like they built the audience. They should get paid for the audience. If the audience is being sold to somebody, you know, cause that was the thing is that, the only asset in the transaction is the audience. It's just that the agency's selling the asset to their client and paying $0 of it to the podcaster. And I'm not even mad at the agencies for that. That's a great business model for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we, first, we, we, that's part yeah. of our business. We book people right. on shows. That's yeah, part and, of what we, we so, yeah, same, same. And, and at first, I think it was extremely valuable because there weren't a bunch of guests that were looking to get on podcasts. So I think it, at first it, it was some sort of an equal value exchange where the shows were actually thirsty for guests. You know, yeah. so the agencies would be like, our value is we're bringing you a great guest. But now it's like another agency approaches me and they're like, well, our value is we're bringing you a great guest. And it's like, well, unless that guest is like Magic Johnson, you know, like it's just as much. We'll charge him to come Another on. 35 <laughs> guests, you know what I mean? That I have that are wanting to get on the show. So like there, yeah. there's got to be some give and, and take. It's a and it's perception, right? Okay. You're yeah. saying it's great guests. Like I'm like, so what? You know, yeah, I have right. a great audience. Like I can only have so many life coaches with an Amazon bestseller on my show. You know what I mean? Yeah, Before yeah, it just gets yeah. repetitive. Yeah. And you're featured in NBC, Fox, blah, blah, blah. That was paid, you know, yep. non-earned media. Yeah. Isn't, isn't fooling anybody. Yeah. You're, you're the <laughs> you Amazon know? bestseller because you're in like a subcategory of a subcategories subcategory. And there's only three other books in that whole thing. And you had four of your high school friends download your... PDF for 99 cents. So now you're a bestseller. Like people can see through that now. Like it's not as impressive as it used to be. You know, come back to me when it's New York Times bestseller or Wall Street Journal bestseller or something like that. That's a little bit more difficult to hack, even though they're still hackable. Yeah, man. I mean, it's no different than a sponsor paying for an ad spot. Literally. They're paying, literally for, the, the same they're paying, thing. For, they're paying for the attention for a month, two months, three months, six months, whatever the engagement yeah. looks like. A guest is paying for the attention one time. Right. It's just that that one time is such a huge trust driver because it's not just a 30 second ad read from host red Colin. It's like a 30, 45 minute guest spot where if that person at the end of the conversation likes, like if I, if like you come on my show, my audience listens to my show because they like me, they trust me, they trust and they trust the guests that we bring on and they like to receive value from them. So me bringing you on my show is going to do a lot better for your business overall because if somebody's still with us, like if somebody's still listening right now to this episode, they're 
they probably like you. You know what I mean? They're probably, they probably <laughs> yeah. didn't make it to the end of this episode if they didn't like you. So if at this point they're like, man, I want to learn more about what Colin does. And then they reach out after they listen to this. That's the hottest prospect on the face of the planet right there because they already like, it's the only platform that delivers no like and trust in a single purchase, right? Like if you're buying Facebook ads and stuff, like the first one, that's no, there's just awareness. Then you have to get them into your email list and send them a few emails. Then they get to like you over like a few emails and a campaign in a couple of weeks. And then you send out a $27 mini course and then they purchase that and then they get some value from it. Now they start to trust you. And it takes like four to six weeks to get somebody to know, like, and trust you using that entire funnel system. This way they know, like, and trust you in a 45 minute conversation, you're done. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, you that it's the same exact thing, except for that you're buying a 45 minute guest spot instead of a 30 second guest spot and uh, or a 30 second ad spot, and uh, it delivers a higher quality. It takes more time, obviously, but it delivers a, a much much higher quality prospect um, to your door for sure. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I want to let you go. I got to ask you this one question that we do talk a lot about networking relationships. And you've already alluded to it. That's the thing about this show, man, is that we talk to so many people and and we unintentionally talk networking along the way. Because even just when you first talked about your sales job, the way that you were successful with your first sales job is it wasn't the systems that were in place. It was just talking to the people that were really good at it around you and learning from them. And that's really what this show is built off of. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. It's the one that we've asked almost every guest that come on the show. Who you know or what you know, Colin, which of those two do you think is the most important asset in life and why? Who you know, for sure. Who you know, who you know. I mean, what you know is important, but not as important as who you know, because you got to know the right people so that you can do something with what you know. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's it's to me, it's a simple like supply and demand thing. You know, like we live in the information age, knowledge and what you know can be learned and can be like the information can be gotten almost anywhere. It's an abundance but people, good quality people who care about you and who are good at what they do and can increase the average, increase your average in life, you know, th- those, those relationships, those are scarce. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, the, the opportunity comes there. You've heard people say it, right? Your network equals your net worth. Yep. That's, that's how it is, man. That's how it is. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, before we let everybody, uh, before we let everybody go, what's the best place, best way for our listeners to go to connect with you and learn more about what you got going on? Yeah. So, um, two things really, and I, I hate saying two things cause I always tell people to say one thing, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's hard sales transformation. You can check out podcasts five days a week. And then if you're interested in podcasting, starting a show, growing a show, guessing on shows, you can go to salescast.community and get into our Slack group. And then we have some other options for folks once they're in there. Perfect. So salescast.community. Go check out some of the stuff that Colin has to offer. I know that you will not be disappointed. Bro, thanks so much for coming on the show. I had a lot of, had a lot of fun chatting with you, rapping about a few things. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.